And God, we praise you today because you are a God who raises us up to new life and new courage. You are a God who finds a way to take the things that have held us down and reverse them into something powerful and life-giving. And so today, in the spirit of Queen Esther, we ask that you would help us to look inside and to discover in ourselves the seeds of power and courage that you have planted, the seeds of faith. Raise us up today through your word to be powerful people. Change our worlds today that we may change the world. Amen. Here's a scenario. After the worship service today, you get an invitation to go with some friends to Java Java. You get to Java Java, your food's there, your coffee there, everything's great. You've had a wonderful day of worship. You're all at your table looking good and smelling good and having a fantastic time. And then suddenly in walks this guy by himself, wearing some real messed up sandals, a pair of shorts that look like they haven't been washed in three or four weeks, sleeveless shirt, hair all over the place. You all try to focus on your meal, but finally somebody says something, kind of whispers it into the person's ear. He looks like he just crawled out of bed. Somebody else. He looks like he was at the bars all night. Somebody else. He looks like he was at the bars all week. And you begin to just kind of chatter around the table, snickering, and the jokes kind of snowball a little bit. But you find something in yourself that's uneasy with the conversation. You know what you believe, that we are all children of God. And that this one who has stumbled in is a person, a real person. And you find yourself conflicted. Do I say something now? Do I speak up? Do I go over and sit with him? He's by himself. Isn't my Christian faith about reaching out and compassion? And you're in that place of conflict. You have a choice to make. Speak up. Be silent. Speak up now, speak up later. It's this conflict. It's a moment that calls for spiritual courage. But, but let's raise the stakes a little bit. Tomorrow you're at work and you work for a local grocery chain and you're having your strategic meeting and your boss says, we need to make sure that the best produce goes to our River Oaks location. After all, in some of those other neighborhoods, they don't really know what fresh produce is anyway. Those people. And you can feel the tension in the room. You can tell that not everyone's buying it, but it's the boss that's just said it. So again, do you speak out now, later? What do you say? It's a moment that calls for spiritual courage. And if you rock the boat, you might just get thrown out. Courage for the moment. Choices. Question. What would you risk your life for? What would you risk your reputation for? What would you compromise if it seemed like the compromise was for a good reason? When and where do you conform and when and where do you stand up? Tough questions. Questions of our faith. Questions about living our values. And it's a question that we do not face alone. In fact, it's a question that Queen Esther faced in today's scripture. She, she had it pretty good. 
She had worked her way up to where she was a queen in the royal court of Persia. It was a territory that expanded what would be modern-day India all the way through Ethiopia, over 117 different provinces. I mean, she found herself in this place of amazing power. But there was something about her that, that those around her didn't know and those in the court didn't know. She was a Jew. She hadn't come out as a Jew. She was a closeted Jew. And what happened in this position is that another person in power had helped enact an edict and a decree that all Jews were to be killed and exterminated. Now, now she had a choice to make. She was in a place where she could influence the king and influence the situation. But it might make her give out her identity. She, she might would, would have to come out at that moment. And so she found herself in a place where she could make some influence that would impact everyone else but put herself at risk in doing so. There were two things that could have gotten her killed. One, one was in order to help plea for her people, she had to get to the king. Now, even though she was the queen, there were still rules. And one of the rules was no one could approach the king without first receiving an invitation. And she had not had an invitation in 30 days. Now, in enacting the decree, here's the other thing going on. It was going to be done by the casting of lots. The day of the extermination of the Jewish people was going to be chosen by a lot. So the question was, if it, if it went longer, she maybe could wait till the invitation and still have a chance to get her point across. Or that lot could be thrown immediately. And before she even had a chance to get to the king, it could be that her people were going to start getting killed. So here she was. She could end up getting killed for approaching the king without an invitation. It was a, it was a cause for immediate execution. Or she could also get killed for coming out as a Jew. So she had a choice to make. The easiest thing for her to do would have been just to go along and hope that somehow things got better, hope that somehow it didn't happen, hope that somehow somebody else would intercede or intervene. But she looked into her own heart and she said, this may be my moment. This may be the moment where I can influence. This may be the moment where God can use me to bring salvation to my own people. And she discovered in herself incredible courage. She went to the king and asked for mercy. He, in a sense, could see the influence coming out of her and did not execute her. In fact, he welcomed her into his presence. And then he said, whatever you wish, I will grant. She then worked the system with her influence and her creativity and her courage to ask that the wish to be granted would be the salvation of her people. Now, she knew it was a scary situation. She knew she might die. And in chapter 4 of Esther, as she faces this question, she faces this moment, she offers that famous line, which is, if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to do this. I will put my life on the line to do the right thing. And whatever will happen will happen. 
If I go down, I'm going down, but I am going through. I am moving forward. I am going to stand up for God and for God's people and for salvation and for life. What a reversal. What a story of courage. She traded sorrow and shame and fear to do the powerful work of God. There's a wonderful movement in this story. It's a movement from fear to courage to joy. Because what happens is, as the people are saved through her courage, they begin to celebrate that salvation. And to this day, Jewish communities everywhere celebrate the Feast of Purim, which means the Feast of Salvation and a God who intervenes and a God who is a God of reversals. The reversals in her life were amazing. She went from one who was oppressed to one who helped bring about freedom. She went from poverty to royalty. She went from being unknown to being recorded in the canon of Scripture with a life that celebrated even today. We may feel like we are insignificant. We may feel that our lives don't mean that much. And yet, like Esther, our lives can have that powerful, eternal impact. And we may be the person called to influence in that moment. If your company is a company that has some unfair business practices, some unjust business practices, you may be the person who is the key to influencing change in your company. You may be the person who's called to be the whistleblower like Esther, to stand up and say, no more, this has got to change. I don't care if I lose my job, I lose my job, but I'm going to stand up. Like Sharon Watkins of Enron went from a position in Enron to ultimately being person of the year by Time Magazine because she was willing to stand up, to stand up for truth and to stand up for justice. Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat. And it influenced our nation, our world. Gandhi refused to give in to the authority and sought the spirit on how to approach that. Did it through peace. Corazon Aquino. Think of all the heroes and sheroes who have stood up and taken a stand and changed the world. How did it happen? First of all, their world changed. Their world changed. What stands in the way for us to be who we're called to be? It is the same thing that stood in the way for Esther. It's that fear thing. And yet the only way through to joy is to meet our fears, to draw on that courage. Are you afraid of death today? Are you afraid of loneliness today? The way through to joy is by taking some specific actions like Esther did that draw on that amazing power. Hear this reading that talks about how to overcome our fear and find our way through to joy. Joyful living is not the same thing as living without fear. It's about living fully with your fear. Joy is what we find when we act with our fear for the sake of life. Mindful fear moves us to act with courage and loving kindness 
in the service of ourselves and others. And it's these acts of compassion and service that are the quickest route to dispelling your fear. If you're afraid of illness, serve someone who's ill. If you're afraid of disability, serve someone who is disabled. If you're afraid of not having money, serve the poor. If you're afraid of death, volunteer at a hospice. And if you're afraid of loneliness, work with the elderly or those shut in in nursing homes. Then you will discover the alchemy of fear, facing into our worst fears, death and loss, pain, vulnerability, isolation and chaos. This takes as much courage as trekking the wilderness in the deep snow. Finding the core of our fear, we find our way. Mm. Name the fear, find it. And then ask God to give you a specific action to meet it. Now that may change for those of us in the room. But God will give you a specific action to help you move forward. And when that happens, you will tap in to that powerful place. And like Queen Esther, you may find yourself singing, I am woman, hear me roar. It's in there. It is. There is that place inside of you that you can tap into that is the power to change the world. I actually shaved off my beard for that moment. I didn't think I could sing I am woman with a beard. But... Uh... <laughs> But God has given us what we need. And sometimes we have this idea that if we just pray hard enough and sit back long enough, God will move in and intervene. That it's just going to happen. That if we pray hard enough, we'll be touched by an angel. And it'll all get better. But we find that inner strength by knowing that we do have a God who gives us the strength and the capacity to rise up with wings like an eagle and to make a difference. But we are called to take the action that God calls us to take. In alignment with this scripture from Esther is a wonderful psalm. It's Psalm 124, which talks about how our God is a God who can be relied upon, a God of salvation, a God who gives us that strength at the exact moment we need it. And during the Feast of Purim, this psalm is often offered, bearing witness to a God who calls us to courage and then acts. This is the Eugene Peterson paraphrase from the message. Psalm 24, if God hadn't been for us, altogether now Israel sing out, if God hadn't been for us, when everyone went against us, we would have been swallowed alive by their violent anger, swept away by the flood of rage, drowned in the torrent. We would have lost our lives in the wild raging water. But oh, blessed be God. God did not go off and leave us. God did not abandon us defenseless, helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs. No, we have flown free from the fangs, free of their traps, free as a bird. Their grip is broken. We're free as a bird in flight. God's strong name is our help, the same God who made heaven and the same God who made earth. Amen. God makes us a powerful people.
and that courage, it's in there. And from there, we can find our way to incredible freedom. It means being willing to act. It means being open. It's this combination of of being available and allowing God to move and shape us and then forging ahead. For two years, I was in a program called the Academy for Spiritual Formation, and one of my siblings in the program has written something in a book called Rhythm and Fire, and it talks about this idea of how we can forge ahead as we open ourselves to God. My friend Kathy Warner writes, we've all been hammered down, smashed flat, quivering red and molten like silver in refiner's fire. We've all been punched, pushed, squashed, spun, dizzy, and thrown like clay on a potter's wheel. Maybe we should have kept our mouths shut, kept our noses in our books, kept our hands in the dishwater, kept our feet on the gas pedal, kept our lives settled, stable, and possibly doubtfully content. But we had to do it. We we had to look up from our circumscribed lives. We had to remove our rose-colored glasses. We had to pry our fingers from their death grip around familiar's throat. And we had to belt out those words. Melt me. Mold me. Who'd have known that asking for God would be this messy? This ugly? Leaving us purple and bruised? Dumped into the unknown. Who would have known we're not in control? Whether we like it or not, whether we admit it or not, God always had hands all over us, fingers poking and prodding, hot breath in our faces, whispering, shouting when we lost attention. You're mine. You're mine. So there we were. And here we are. Rising up as God's people. Here we are. Forging ahead and sharpening our trust. Needing our faith. I mean, how else are we going to become silver forks spearing meaty portions of justice for the poor? How else are we going to become cooking pots steaming with hope to feed the hungry? How else are we going to rise up and follow our call to the great communion, the great community? How else are we going to tell our stories of transformation? How we become from a mound of slimy clay to the communion cup. Strong. Shining, forged, alive. How else are we going to stare directly into the world's face and shift our weight in the Creator's palm and cry, fill me, use me. Here we are, God. 
Your people, simple, vulnerable, sometimes a little bit tired and weary, and sometimes looking too closely at our sorrow, our shame, our sickness. But then we hear that call, that there is something inside so strong And we're not going to stay down any longer. We have been down too long. God calls us to a higher call, and that's where we're going. We stand up as God's people, and we say, God, sometimes you make me feel like a powerful person. And that's who I am today. And that's who we are, God's people. God's people with a purpose true and a purpose bold. So we are trading our sorrows. We are trading our shame. We are trading our sickness. And drawing on that courage that's deep inside, so true. Yes, God, you make us feel like a powerful people. We are your people. Hear us roar. We love you. We thank you. And we're forging ahead. Amen. Amen.